We've been lighting these Advent candles the last uh, four Sundays. Today is the last of the four, and then this coming Saturday night at our uh, Christmas Eve service, we'll light the center candle, the Christ candle. We've lit, lit a candle for hope, one for comfort, one for peace, all of those associated with the Christmas message. Today, we're, we have lit the one, the Gomez family, lit the one for joy. And when the angels appeared to the shepherds out on the hillside, they said, Behold, I bring you good tidings. It's the word for gospel, by the way. I bring you gospel or good tidings of great joy, which will be to you today, for there is born to you this day. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So uh, joy for all people, for all nations. So we want to think about joy today. That's going to be kind of the theme of this message. And uh, uh, let me just tell you, when you think of joy, what picture comes to your mind? When you say this person has a lot of joy, what, uh, what kind of image, what kind of picture comes to your mind? A smile, okay, a smiling face. All right, what? I heard something over here. A happy person, all right, somebody that is happy, smiling, happy. Any other thought? Okay, okay a child on their birthday. Yeah, that's, that's uh, or, even, or maybe even on Christmas morning, you know. That's, uh, I, I remember uh, for us, whenever we would have all the Christmas uh ready on Christmas morning, and our kids would come in, the look on their face, especially when they would see something that they wasn't sure they were going to get, and it was there, you know, uh, that's certainly uh, a good a good picture. What's somebody else? Picture of joy. An All right, an anniversary, a 51st anniversary. Yeah, well, a lot of joy this morning, for sure, at our house, okay? And, uh, huh? And when a baby's born, that's right. When you, you have, in fact, the Bible talks about how that a woman, when she is in labor, that she is in so much pain and travail, which, of course, I wouldn't know anything about from personal experience, but, but I certainly know that's true. And I certainly have, have heard the cries and, and so forth of a woman who was in travail having a baby. But the Bible says as soon as the baby is born, she forgets all of the pain and sorrow. Maybe doesn't totally forget it, but she uh, kind of puts it behind her because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. So you ladies are nodding your heads. Is that true? Okay, well, great. Uh, <clears throat> not that I needed you to confirm the Bible, but I, I certainly uh, uh, figured that I would get some head nods on that. All right, so... Uh, that's normally what we think of when we think of joy. And yet, the Bible tells us that we are to experience joy even during the saddest of times. So that seems a little bit strange, doesn't it? Christians are the only people in the world that can have joy even when they're experiencing joy. Sorrow. And that's strange, isn't it? 
Because the Bible says, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So let me tell you what joy is. Now, joy does many times include those things that we just mentioned. In fact, uh, um, it can even include them in the times of sorrow. But I think of joy this way. I've been trying to think how I could define it, how I could explain it. I couldn't come up with just a good definition. So here's kind of the explanation of it. Joy is a deep foundational attitude and emotion that is based on the fact that all of our sins have been fully forgiven. That, that is, there is no condemnation to us. That I mean, you know, if we had to think about all the things in our past that we've done wrong, all the, way we's, we, the ways we've messed up, it would be hard to have any joy, wouldn't it? If those things were ever before us, that, man, think of all the times you've blown it. And, and I could think of lots of times that I've blown it. And I, I may even have some regret for some of those, but I don't have any condemnation. So, so a deep, settled, foundational attitude and emotion based on the absolute certain knowledge that all of my sin, all of my sin has been totally erased from God's eyes, and there is no condemnation. When he looks at me, he does not see a sinner. He sees a son, and he sees me engulfed in the son so that the righteousness of Christ is on my account. Now, that should give us great joy. But not just knowing that all of our sins are forgiven, but also knowing that Christ is present with me at all times. Not only is all of my past, all of my sin taken care of, but I have the immediate conscious presence of Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit, with me at all times. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, told us to go into all the world and make disciples, the very last part of this, he says, And lo, I am with you always. He said in the Gospel of John, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I meet lots of people today who have been forsaken by people that they trusted. I meet children who have been forsaken by a mother or a father or both. I meet men and women who have been forsaken by a spouse. And you know the sadness, the sorrow that brings. But God says, I will never forsake you. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So, knowing that all our sins are forgiven, 
There's no condemnation against us. Knowing that God is present with me at all times in the person of the Holy Spirit living in me. And thirdly, knowing that my future is absolutely certain and secure. So my past, my present, my future, all protected and wrapped up in him. And that gives me joy. Joy. Not necessarily the kind of jumping up and down joy, although I have that sometimes. Not always even the smiling, happy joy, although I have that sometimes. But even in times of greatest loss, even in times of greatest stress, even in times of greatest uh, rejection, I can have joy. I do have joy. It's there. I may not always tap into it, but it is there because always, no matter what the circumstances, I have no condemnation. My sins are forgiven. Always, no matter what the situation, I have the Spirit of God present with me. And always I can rest in the confident certainty that when I die, I will go to be with the Lord forever. And that's not based on how good I've been. It's not based on how hard I've tried. It's not even based on how faithful I've been. It's based on how faithful He is. And so I can have joy unspeakable the Bible says joy unspeakable and full of glory that's what we have so any questions about that thoughts about that well you miss a great opportunity there a few times to say amen because there were some good statements in there that deserved an amen and uh, I'm just not going to say it again because uh, you missed your chance all right But look for something else along the way. It's okay to say amen. Okay. Where's Mark? All right. He's not here. Okay. He's our amener. Okay. All right. Well, here's some things about joy that I want you to know. Number one, Jesus wants you to have joy, the kind of joy I'm talking about. He has actually secured it for you. Listen to John 15, 11. Jesus is speaking. If you're reading this in your Bible, it's written in red. These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. So Jesus said, this is what I want for you. The things I've said to you, all that I've done, all that I've said, I've said it for this purpose. I want my joy... And Jesus did have joy. In fact, the Bible says even facing the cross, it says for the joy that was set before him, he despised the shame of the cross, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured uh, the cross. And so it's, it was by joy that he was able to go through uh, uh, that, that experience for you and for me. So Jesus said, I want my joy to be in you. Boy, it's getting warm in here now, isn't it? Are you all getting warm? 
Okay. Well, all the heat must be up here then. Heat rises. A lot of, a lot of hot air up here. I don't know. Uh, oh, that didn't sound right, did it? <clears throat> well, anyway, I, I may come out of my Christmas sweater here in a minute. I don't know. But, uh, but isn't it good news to know that, that Jesus says, of all the gifts I have for you, here's, here's one of them. I want you to have my joy, and I want it to be full in you. And do you know that the purpose of pastors is not to build a big church, not to, uh, not to do a lot of other things that, uh, that sometimes people think the job of pastors. Here's a verse that I have felt for years describes my purpose as a pastor. 2 Corinthians one twenty four. The Apostle Paul talking about the, his role and the role of pastors in the church. Not that we are to have dominion over you. In other words, the pastor is not some kind of big boss who runs everything and rules everybody. He said, it's not, not for us to have dominion over, you, over your faith, but we are helpers of your joy. That's our purpose. That's what I love. I love, you know, when, and I get called a lot of times to go and see people who are very, very sick. I had a man call me yesterday that wants me to come to see him tomorrow. He says he probably has less than six months to live. And, and I, even though he's not a member here, he thinks of me as his pastor. And I will go to him and I will talk to him. And my purpose in talking to him will be to help him discover the joy of knowing Jesus in the last few months or maybe even weeks of his life. To know joy in the midst of dying. To know joy in the midst of suffering. The Apostle Paul and his traveling companion Silas, they were arrested in Philippi and they were falsely accused and then they were beaten, viciously beaten and then thrown into the dungeon and left there and the Bible says at midnight they were singing praises to God in the midnight hour after all they had gone through and the Bible says that God shook the place and their chains fell off and the doors were opened. And then we had the, uh, one of the first converts in Europe when that Philippian jailer and his family were saved that night. Now, had they been moaning and groaning and complaining and accusing and fussing and cussing and all this kind of stuff that would have been normal. Nobody would have blamed them for it. But every person in that jail was amazed. How can you have joy under such circumstances? And the Bible tells us in the book of Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it was certainly their strength. But let me just tell you that joy is not based on 
what we have, but it's based on who we are in Christ. That's what releases that joy in us. And uh, the times that we get joyless or unjoyful, the problem is usually a problem of forgetfulness. We forget those three things that I mentioned. We forget that our sins are forgiven, that God is with us, and that we are absolutely certain to go to heaven. And if we forget those things, our joy has a way of kind of uh, leaking out, being stolen from us. I heard Warren Wearsby preach a great sermon on the uh, book of Philippians called The Joy Stealers. And he talked about how that Satan wants to take away our joy because he knows that a joyless Christian is an ineffective and weak Christian. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, then if our joy can be taken, our strength is gone as well. All right. So we rejoice not because of the things we have, and I'm very, very grateful for the blessings, the, the, the good things that we have, but I want to tell you, I've been in places where people had virtually nothing and they still had joy. I think it is harder for Americans to rejoice in with less and in loss than it is for people in most other countries. I read just this morning that if you make $35,000 a year, that you are in the top 1% of the population of the income of the population of the entire world. Isn't that amazing? And, and so many Americans base their, their security, their emotional well-being, their happiness in what they have. And again, I'm grateful for what I have. But the real question is, would my joy be the same if I lost everything that I have? Could I still rejoice in the Lord always? Because he doesn't change, all right? Now, uh, let me just say that there are ways that Satan tries to steal our joy. He tries to get us to focus on ourself, to focus on, on me. If I'm focused on myself, then I will not have much joy. If I'm focused on things... Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. 
or if we focus even on others, we'll find ourselves comparing and criticizing and complaining if we're focused on other people. Even if we're focused on religion, we won't have much joy because religion has to do with rule-keeping and it has to do with observancy, observe, observances of, of uh, uh, obligations and things like that. It has to do maybe with ceremonies and with uh, rituals. People who focus on religion and rules will never have true joy. And if Satan can get our focus on any of those things, ourself, our things, our uh, other people, or religion, then he can steal our joy. So here's what Jesus wants. He wants our joy to be in him, in him. He is the source of our joy. I was thinking this last week. You know, what do we delight in? What, if we were to rank the things that we delight in, there'd be lots of things on the list, and they'd be valid things, good things. You know, I delight in my health. I'm very thankful that at my age I, I still have uh, good health, and I delight. I praise the Lord for that. I delight, of course, in in my family. I delight in my wife. I delight in the 51 years that we've had to be married to each other. I delight in my children, my grandchildren, and now a great-grandchild. Oh, my goodness. And uh, so there are lots of things I delight in, and I'm very grateful for. But my chief delight is in Christ himself. He is the source of my joy. And the wonderful thing about it is that I know that can never, ever, ever be taken from me. All the other things that I appreciate and delight in, I could lose those temporarily. But with him, I will never, ever, ever suffer loss he's the source of my joy also joy is a result of victory it's knowing that you've won i enjoyed watching the army navy football game on uh, television uh this last week or week before last whenever it was and uh army won the first time in 14 years they have lost 14 years in a row to Navy. And so I couldn't help but pull for them just a little bit. Now, you Navy folks, pardon me, but uh, but I mean enough's enough. My goodness, 14. <laughs> and as I was watching that game, and then at the end of the game, it showed both sides. It showed the, the Army side, and it showed the Navy side, and you didn't have to ask who the victor was. Because those army guys, they were going absolutely berserk and bananas. They were were running out on the field. And when it showed the uh, midshipman side, showed the Navy side, there was just this 
sad look and tears, and, and I felt a little sorry for him, but not real sorry, but uh, a little sorry. And I thought, well, that's how armies felt for the last 14 years. But, uh, but I was, I was watching that, I thought, boy, you know, the reason this side looks so happy is they've won. They have victory. Now, I know that's not a perfect illustration, but there's a, this idea, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. Listen, we do have victory. And even if we appear to suffer some temporary setback or defeat, it is temporary. And the victory is ours. And so we can rejoice in that, that we are more than conquerors. And then as I mentioned in 2 Corinthians 6.10, the Bible says, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Yeah, there, there are times there's nothing wrong with Christians sorrowing. So don't think I'm saying there's anything wrong with sorrow. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Thessalonians, he gave them some information about the second coming and about death and the death of a Christian. And he said, I write these things to you that you sorrow not as those who have no hope. Now that is true sorrow. When a a loved one who doesn't know Jesus dies, and that is sorrow. But... When, when a Christian dies, there is sorrow at the sense of separation and loss, but there is joy in the confident assurance that we will be with them again. One of the hardest days in my life is when my mother died. She was in Charlton Hospital up here for almost six weeks, went in with... Uh, uh, had shingles at first, and then it developed into some pneumonia. We took her to the hospital thinking she'd be there for a few days and get well and come back home, and it just kept getting worse and worse. And for the last five weeks of her life, she couldn't do the two things she loved the most, talk or eat. And uh, come to think of it, I guess I inherited that from her because I those are a couple of my favorite things too. But... uh we were with her, and we just prayed and prayed and watched her so hard try to communicate with a tube down her throat, and she couldn't say anything, and trying to, trying to make herself understood to us, and we couldn't understand her so much of the time, how frustrating it was. And there were many times I sat out there, we sat out there in the waiting room, and tears would run down our face, and then when the doctor came and told us, you know, she... There is absolutely no way she's going to get better. She will not live more than a few more days. And I was overwhelmed with a sense of grief and sadness and loss. And as I wept with sorrow, there was an undergirding of joy. And I don't know how to explain it except to say that while I was weeping, I was rejoicing at the same time, knowing that she would soon be free from this struggle and pain and that she would be in the presence of the Lord and that I would see her again and be with her again. 
There was sadness and joy. There was sorrow and joy. And it's exactly what Paul says to the Corinthians, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And we are to rejoice at all times. Rejoice in the Lord always, the Bible says. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. God wants our joy to be constant and full. And it can be because of where we are in our relationship with Jesus. Listen, Psalm 1611, one of my favorite uh, Old Testament passages. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And the Bible tells us that Christ is at the right hand, seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And the Bible also says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So that means that we are positionally at the right hand of the majesty on high. So we are in the position to have joy. In your presence there is joy, fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So rejoice. Receive the joy. Behold, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy for all people, for all people, for all nations, for all people groups. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. All right, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the joy that is ours in Jesus. And that it's not something we try to work up or it's not some kind of uh, something that we get by going to Six Flags or to uh, some kind of entertainment or something, even though that, those things are fun. There are many, many people at Disney World who have no joy. They're having fun. They're having a big time. But there's no sense of confident assurance that their sins are forgiven, that you are present, and that they have confident certainty of, of heaven. And I pray that you'll help us today in knowing who we are and knowing where we are positionally in Christ, that no matter what happens in our life, no matter what challenges we face, no matter what losses we sustain, that we will be able to say, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And we rejoice in knowing that that's where we are and who we are. In Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. 
If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.